Welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast that celebrates the contributions of Black people to the fashion industry. It's Black history, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Taniqua Martin. Well, I appreciate yes. you taking the time out um, and talking this even if this evening, you know, despite everything that you have going on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And actually, it's um, Anlo, my nana's birthday. I know. I saw my, it's it's such a great day to be having this conversation, um, you know, because it is her birthday. And yes. Um, so how do you feel today? I mean, what <laughs> given that, you know, it is her birthday right now, like what? Um, what feelings does this day normally bring about for you? I have memories of we always went to see her on her birthday. Me, my mom, and my dad, sometimes my, my little brother. Um, and her favorite flowers were gladiolas. And if we didn't bring those gladiolas, she's like, <laughs> you know, but we always bought them. <laughs> and um, she liked fruitcake. Oh. So she liked fruitcake and um, gladiolas. And I, from the time I was a kid, I always climbed in the bed all the way up until I was a teenager. I always climbed in, in the bed. You know, <laughs> that was my spot. <laughs> So, you know, I had fond memories to t- today thinking about her and also feeling so happy that I'm finally making progress for her recognition, you know. And I know, I just know in my heart that she she knows, she knows. Yeah. Mm. So. When you when you say that you're finally making progress, like, what do you mean by that? Well, um, my mother half-heartedly tried because it was very emotional for, for her because she was she was raised mostly by her, you know. And um, my mother and I both went through very terrible trials in our lives. And she was, she was like the fairy godmother that that always was there to fix things. Even in her clothing that she made for us, her clothing reflected whatever she made for us reflected, you know, what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother's emotions kind of got in the way of trying to give her the recognition where I took it in another level where I remember when I was about 15 and I accepted award from the Alpha Wives in Rockefeller Center um, at the Hilton. And the reason I did was because um, Madeline Couture um, who had taken her under her wing, got her, you know, the coverage she needed with um, Mike Douglas show and, and um, magazines and everything. 
kept trying to get her to have this eye operation, and she didn't want to do it. She finally did it and fell upon that day, and she didn't want anybody to accept that award on her behalf but me. So I felt like I was the one that that had to do this, mm. you know. And my mother made a lot of mistakes along the way. I made a few, but I was determined. I was I was so determined, you know. And fortunately, the right people started coming around, you know, just with me with word of mouth to the right people. So how did you all, um, I know you mentioned in another interview that I read that you all face some challenges with, you know, trying to share Anne Lowe's legacy and continue this story. You know, how are you able to bounce back from that experience and kind of move forward in the direction that you are now with being able to share her story more widely? Well, the trial and error, and through my spiritual beliefs, I am very much like my nana, where, you know how that song goes, I'm not going to let nobody tear me down. You know, tear me down. I'm like, I just keep on moving. I keep on moving. You know, and fortunately, I have an agent, um, Sharon Fraser Parker, who has that same mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, I have slayed a lot of dragons in my life. You know, and Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. And I know my nanny struggles. You know, I mean, the things she went through. Think about the time era. The things she must have gone through. You know, things right. I witnessed, you know, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And not only from from, you know, whites, but her own race, you know. There's a museum that was right in our neighborhood that didn't want to acknowledge her, and it's a, a, a black museum. So to this day, they still don't want to acknowledge her. And you know, they... they all she's up these she only wants to make for white people. She made clothes for her black family. She made clothes for uh, one family, the, the Mance family, mm-hmm. who were black. Yeah. But she lived by certain standards that got her where she got she wanted to go. No, it was standard. Yeah. So. Well, I wanted to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was saying go ahead to you. (laughs) 
Well, um, you know, thanks to people like Margaret Powell and, you know, some other scholars and museums now, we're learning more about Anne Lowe's work, um, the families that she worked with, the beautiful gowns that she made. Um, But we still don't have a ton of insight into like her personality. You know, what are the things that she liked and enjoyed? So I'd love if you could share, you know, some of those insights. It's not every day that I get the opportunity to talk to, you know, know, someone that's carrying such a great family legacy. So if you can share, you know, some of those stories about who she is. Right. It's like, you know, I tell people she wasn't just a sewing machine, you know? Right. <laughs> she was a human being, you know. Um, in her younger years, she loved to get parties when she moved to New York. Um, she, she liked to have fun. She liked to do things. But she loved sewing. So that was her passion. She, she, she loved being joy to people. She was um, an amazing woman because she could demand in a very soft tongue and people would listen. She loved to smell good. She had long hair down her back. I would brush it. She had a sister named Sally. And Sally waited on her hand and foot. And I couldn't understand that. I really couldn't. No. Because she'd come in the door and she just dropped her clothes. Uh-oh, you went out. It looks like you hit the mute button. And Sally would bring her tray of food into the bed. She had a little bed jacket on. And she would bring the food. One, she loved caviar. She loved the finest of food. She, she would only get her food from the studies. Mm-hmm. Her clients would send her all kinds of extravagant gifts. Um, even to my mother and I, look at crates of so stockings, Europe and, and Evian perfumes, white shoulders and all of that. Because yeah. we lived not too far from her, we lived a few blocks away. And we, when his sister died, um, it was her cousin Verdell lived upstairs, and she would take care of her, and me and my mom would take care until we couldn't do it anymore. And she wanted oh, somebody hired a woman to take care of her, but the woman became abusive. So, oh no! I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> So that time we lived in the projects, she kept wanting to buy us a house, and my father had a lot of pride. And he's like, I will save up and buy my family a house. But um, at that time, the projects were really, really bad, and we feared for her safety. And mm-hmm. she liked to take her walks. I would take her for walks after school. 
especially in the rain. It's a story about how when she owed the tax money, and she ran outside in the rain, and he made it sound like she was so upset. But she ran outside in the rain. It's an old southern thing that um, it brings you good luck. And that's why mm-hmm. she went out in the rain. But uh, So, therefore, we couldn't take her. But I'm sure you heard of her so-called adopted daughter. <laughs> but they were just about the same age. Um she took her in because she had a large house and she knew how to care for because um, and Anne took her from the time they were they were like adolescents mm. so and um, we moved to Jersey not about two years after that and at that time, we asked if she wanted to come. She said, no, she was settled with Luke. She was happy with Luke. Mm-hmm. So I would visit her from time to time. So growing up um, with your great-grandmother, at what point did it hit you? Like, this is not just, you know, my Nana, as you called her, but... This is like a great designer. This is, you know, a well-respected fashion figure. Did that hit you at all um, while she was alive? Or is that something that you kind of uh, came to the realization of a little bit later? A little bit later. To me, it was normal. Mm. You know, um, being in the bed with her and, and, She's teaching me to sketch and design, and and sometimes she would be designing something. She's like, "What do you think?" And I say, "How about we do this, Nana?" You know. So this is some of those dresses I had a little touches to as a little kid, (laughs) (laughs) and um, I became a fashionista, but I hated sewing. She really wanted me to follow her footsteps, but I did not like cutting patterns and sewing. But I like designing. I like getting dressed up. You know, I like following the rules of fashion in, in that world. <laughs> but, um, no, I, people would come and interview her and things like that. I knew she knew Jackie Kennedy. Sometimes I'd be in a room when they were talking on the phone. But, it didn't really, really hit me until I was about 16. Mm-hmm. You know, how really great she was. Because from the time I could first started talking, it was, it was normal. That was right. my norm. Even though, you know, living in the projects and wearing these fancy clothes, I'm getting beat up all the time because I did it. <laughs> no. I, I didn't connect it. No, that makes sense. I mean, you know, like you said, it was normal to you. So uh, growing mm. up, you, it, there was nothing out of the ordinary. But right. 
So you mentioned, you know, your love for fashion, uh, but you didn't quite care for the sewing piece of it or cutting the patterns part. Is there anything else that you would that you would say that any other of your loves or your interests that you got from your great grandmother? She was very loyal and caring. And I think that's why her son married the woman. She he married my, my grandmother because my grandmother was similar to her. Mm-hmm. Very loving and caring. My, both my mother and I wound up working in social services. And even after she, my mother retired, after I retired, we still look out for people. You know, like, like my, my son fusses at me all the time. It's like, why, mom, are you giving when you don't have? You know? It's just a built-in thing. <laughs> and it's so a beautiful thing, too. It, it, but it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. And it made my mother feel good. And it made my nana feel good. You know? People say, oh, she was a snob. She had uppity, uppity ways. Why do you think people she, had that? She was a snob. Well, she carried herself with her head held high. She was very well-mannered, very well-dressed. But I don't really ever remember her putting people down. Mm. I remember when my mother became a civil rights leader. And she called me. And she refused. What are you doing this panel? You're breaking up a little bit. This, she was saying to my mother, feeling her afro. She said, Why are you doing this panel? So the ways of making your point. That's how she was. You know, I can definitely see how during that time, you know, people wouldn't know how to take that or would automatically try to label someone um, like that, you know, a snob or somebody that, you know, didn't want to be in their own community. And, you know, she, I can just say she was a snob, but I never saw I never saw that I saw a very proud black woman that stood her ground and I don't think that was being snubbed absolutely not and there's you know as she should there is absolutely nothing wrong with you know being a proud black woman and standing your ground and we um, as black women should be doing more of that. Exactly. So I think we can all take a lesson from her in that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I know um, part of your desire is 
to carry on her legacy and to make sure that, you know, young designers and young entrepreneurs, you know, are aware of who she is and her career and her story. Um, but yes. what what does that look like for you? Like, um, how do you plan um, to continue to share her legacy um, with young people in the industry? I would like them to be educated on who she is. I would like scholarships, you know, for 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 these talented young designers. I've seen young people doing beautiful work, especially you know the minorities. They get pushed aside, you know, and they're so talented. Right. I wish I had money so I could just, you know, yeah. (laughs) But that that, that is a big dream. I wasn't able to fulfill it for many reasons, but I I want that. I'm I'm, I'm a, a children person. I love children. I love love young people. Um, The kids in the neighborhood, they just gravitate toward me. Some of them don't speak English, and I'm sitting on the stoop teaching them English. (laughs) So, you know, I I want for the young people. And the art in itself it's such a release for whatever children are going through. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, fashion is art. And a lot of people don't exactly. consider fashion as an art form, but it is. And it can provide that, you know, release for everyone as well. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. the more the more that we are keeping her name alive in conversation and with, you know, exhibitions like the one at Winterthur in Delaware and the, um, you know, the one at the Met, you know, those types of things, uh, you know, will open more doors for more opportunities and um, more things in her name. So I have no doubt that right. you'll be able to you know, fulfill some of those things that, you know, you plan to do to continue to keep her name alive. Right. I, w- I want people to know who she was, not just who she designed for. Right. And that's that's part of the problem that I'm battling now with people. And the misinformation that's out there, and you know, everybody's talking about who she designed for. What about her? Exactly. And who she was, and what she did, and how she had to overcome all these obstacles. That's what gives children hope. Well, what are some of the obstacles that she had to overcome that, you know, it often gets overlooked when people share her story? Well, they skim over her life. You know, they they say, "Oh well, she went to Taylor School," and you know, they talk. They say, "Oh, grandmother and mother." You know, they had dress shops. You know, 
they don't really talk about her as a person. And then they go into more into who she's designed for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear more about Jackie Kennedy than you hear about her. Mm-hmm. You know? How are children going to get hope from that? How are these minority children that can't afford, you know, the, 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 the education of, of fashion going to get hope from that? And that's why no films being made because nobody's telling the real story. So what is the piece that you think is missing um, from the conversation right now? I know you mentioned that there's misinformation about her out there, that um, most of what is out there about Ann Lowe surrounds her work and not necessarily her as a person. So um, if you can change that in an instant, what is the piece uh, about her that you would want us to focus on? Basically, who she was. Who was Ann Lowe? The truth of who she was. Who was her family? Where did she come from? How was she raised? You know, you know what gave her the strength to, to, to battle all these obstacles? That's all, all that is missing. Mm-hmm. All of it's missing. Well, what did give her the strength to battle these obstacles? I'll talk about that another time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, what is something that you want to focus on about her at this time? Uh, when you say who she was, like what is her... Uh, what do you want us to know about who she was? She was highly intelligent. She was caring. She cared about everyone that she made a dress for. Her son and my father would battle with her about the financial part of it. But she cared more about the designing who she was designing for. And I feel people took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so many opportunists out there now. And it, it's, it's very strange to me that all of a sudden people popped out the woodwork as soon as my mother passed away. But they didn't know about Linda. When you say people popped out of the woodwork, you mean that um, they tried to... Everything started moving. Okay, so... Everything started moving and people started talking and... mm -hmm. 
because I had all kinds of documents that that my mother had, and she wouldn't sign because she knew it was bogus. Mm. And they, people couldn't do anything without her signature. Because we are the direct heirs. Right. So, but I guess because I've been so quiet, they thought, okay, we got this, man. Not. And I have sons and eight grandsons. Oh, wow. One just was born just a few days ago. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> well, I have so. one one final question for you tonight. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel now with um, new exhibitions coming up um, you know more information being shared about Ann Lowe's life how do you feel about seeing your family's legacy being celebrated so many years later I envision them being able to have Apeness of some kind in her name, and for them to be able to um, have some kind of foundation set up. Uh, mm-hmm. I've already spoken with my sons and um, four of my grandsons about it. You know, I have stuff in paper. What they do. So, and they're excited. Very excited. And how do you think in she the beginning, would... oh. I'll tell you And I'll tell you the truth. In the beginning, they were like, what this girly stuff? You know. But then the wheels started turning. And my grandson that I lived with. He's going into business in college. Mm. And he's like, hmm. Okay. Then I have three that are artists. You know, they're into the AI and that stuff. <laughs> Graphic art. <laughs> and they're very, very good at it. So I'm like, well, she didn't know what to do. <laughs> and how do you think she, um, your great grandmother, would feel now getting you know all of the recognition that she didn't have before? I think she would be very proud, very very proud, and very pleased. And I think my mother would be too. And I'm sure they're both very proud of you um, for all of the work that you're doing. It's not easy, but it's a good feeling. Absolutely. 
and I have a lot of people to be grateful and thankful for on this journey. And that's it, guys. Make sure you check the show notes for a direct link to all of the resources that I use for today's episode. If you love today's episode or any episode, make sure to give us a five star review on Apple. It takes you all of two seconds, but it really, really counts towards helping this show reach more people um, and more black fashion enthusiasts like you. And if you haven't done so already, follow us on all social media at Black Fashion History Podcast so you can keep up with all things Black Fashion History. And the most important thing, if you do nothing else, come back next week and join me for another riveting installment of Black Fashion History. Bye-bye.